Hello, gatherers. This show is brought to you by ComicWow.com. If you love comics, check out ComicWow.com, your media hub devoted to comics, the comic industry, and the pop culture that surrounds it. Now, on with the show. Welcome once again to another wacky, zany episode of Indie Comics. I am your host, Jeff, and I'm pretty sure you've heard me a time or two on The Gathering, on many a spot, and just whatever other shows you've had the pleasure of listening to. Today is October 5th, 2015, and let us just see who else is with me here this fine day. This is Tyler from The Gathering. Oh, welcome, Tyler. Once again, it's always a pleasure to have you. And without further ado, let us broaden your horizons now when visiting your local comic book shop with another dose of Indie Comics with Jeff. All right, and now for the selected comics for the week of October 5th, 2015. First of all, from Aspen, we have Legend of Oz, Wicked West Number 1 by Tom Hutchison and Allison Borges. Step into the classic story you've all come to know and love, but with the most amazing twist. Dorothy still falls into this crazed and magical land, with Oz resembling more of a Wild West landscape than the fruitful magical land we have all seen. On top of that, there (laughs) there is no more Yellow Brick Road. With a special forward by Mark Baum, who is Oz creator L. Frank Baum's great-great-grandson, enjoy this reimagined tale of one of classic literature's most enduring stories. That is really, really cool. And I'm one who <laughs> loves I'm, I'm one who loves old westerns, so I'm going to be all over this book off the bat right now, I can tell you that. I mean, what better way to, you know, go for something with the magical land of Oz combined with the Wild West like something from a spaghetti western? Come on, people. I think it's really cool that the great-great-grandson also, like, put his mark. He was like, yeah, I approve of this message. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you can't get anything better than that. So you can see you have your official stamp on this book that this is the legit deal. And from Dynamite, we have Grumpy Cat number one of what? three by Ben McCool and Steve Wee. You're listening to this right, ladies and gents. The beloved internet feline sensation we've all come to know and love has finally broken into the world of the comics page. <sighs> Enough said, really, isn't it? <laughs> I mean... Tartar sauce, you lucky son of a bitch. Tartar sauce, exactly, exactly. But now it's just a matter of time, I guess, until Lil Bub have, has his own uh, comic as well. So, who knows? I, want, I, I think that uh, Doge or Doggy deserves it. Oh, that would be a good one. That's... So comic. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Now, from Oni Press, we have Oyster War Hardcover by Ben Towell. Now, Towel's acclaimed comic series has finally come to print in hardcover format. Follow the story of the town of Blood's Haven, a rough and tumble maritime community centered around oyster farming surrounded by a never-forgiving harsh sea and pirate life swarming about. Commander Davidson Bullock is tasked with taking down these ne'er-do-wells, yet unaware that the piratical commander himself possesses an artifact that can give him command of this seas at will. And from Vertigo, we have Survivor's Club number 1 by Lauren Bukes and Ryan Kelly. Follow a tale of six survivors of horrible terrors finding each other again. From an occultist event that took place in 1987, these survivors are finding telltale signs that such an event is on the horizon once more. Get all the horrific details and more in this new story by horror novelist Lauren Bukes and Northlanders artist Ryan Kelly. And from Zenoscope, we have Zombies vs. Cheerleaders Halloween 2015 number 1. Awesome. By Stephen L. Frank and Bill Mouse. It seems that Fivefinity's cult hit his back. New tales of horror and humor to be had as cheerleaders visit an old home on Halloween. It's pretty much like Snakes on a Plane. You know what you're getting with a title like this. Oh, yeah. And yet it's still fun. You can't, you can't go wrong there. <laughs> <laughs> and now to our blast from the past or present. Reviewing an oldie, maybe, but a goodie. 
and we are picking Rat Queens this week. Now, this is an ongoing comic published through Shadowline, which is an imprint of Image. Now, Kate, um, as far as theme-wise, it caters to the high fantasy swords and sorcery genre of storytelling, which is something that, you know, is I believe is kind of overlooked in the comics industry nowadays. Maybe not so much overlooked as not really emphasized all that much. In a day and age in which superheroes are pretty much the thing to do, that's what I think makes this particular title stand out. Now, the series itself began in October of 2013 and follows the story of a group of hardened, battle-hardened female adventurers who tend to be a tad salty in their language and, at times, kind of unconventional in their behaviors, I guess we can say. Yeah. Now, included in this group are, for instance, Hannah, who can best be described as a rockabilly elven mage, which is just amazing. You also have Violet who is a dwarven warrior who at best is hipster in her dis- disposition. Great character. Exactly. I mean, come on, hipster and dwarf. You know, what's <laughs> not to love? She sometimes have... put a beard on. Exactly, exactly. You also have an atheistic human cleric by the name of D. Now that just begs uh, open and a contradiction right there. An atheist, yet you're a cleric. That's I mean, awesome. How, I mean, how does that work? But anyway, she caters to Lovecraftian-type cultist personages, and then, this is probably one that you're especially going to appreciate, Tyler. Oh, yeah. There is a teensy little halfling thief named Betty, whom loves her candy and her shrooms. And we all know <laughs> what we mean by when we say shrooms. Yeah. Um, one thing about this book is it's definitely not a kid's book. <laughs> oh, it's definitely not a kid's book. <laughs> However, it is very, very well written, and the art is amazing. And it is hilarious. I guarantee damn teed every single time you read this book or pick it up you are going to at least have a smile if not laughing yep now (laughs) so far the book has detail has detailed adventures of these female adventurers across three different story arcs because it's only been about 12 issues so far while the book itself like i said is in its 12th issue but there has been a special preview edition and separate issue make it into print currently one particular issue was devoted to an orc warrior by the name of Braga, for instance, that was just kind of a standalone issue. So really, this book is still in a relatively new phase, but it is really hitting it on the charts, people. Now, in collected editions, Rat Queens has two trade paperbacks out currently and one deluxe edition in stores. Thus, it's not really too hard for those just hearing about this book to catch up on the current saga. There's really not a whole lot to get back on if you really are going to be interested in this book. Not a whole lot of reading to get back. Now, the book itself is written by Curtis J. Wiebe and has had numerous artistic talent come to grace its pages and covers, including John Rock Upchurch, Stepan Sejic, Tess Fowler, Meg Dejmal, Tamara Bonvillain, Kelly Fitzpatrick, Jenny Frizon, Fiona Staples, Tyler Jenkins, and Michael Avon Yumi. I honestly have no idea who any of those people are. Oh, well, not even Fiona Staples, dude, really? Oh, she's done some awesome artwork for IDW and other companies as of late, and she's probably one of the most sought-after artists whenever you go to a con as of late right now. Hopefully a future guest or an interview of the show. Oh, that'd be awesome if we could get her on the show, dude. (laughs) But yeah, a lot of these are the types of people that have been working on this book, and I think it's contributed all the more to its success. Well, the art's amazing, and when I was looking at, you know, looking at it, it's doesn't seem familiar to anything which is why i don't know any of the people like I, I don't really know how to compare the art to this to really anything else i mean yeah of course some some aspects because it it's a comic book but 
Like when you look at it, it's just you're just like, man, this doesn't really look like anything else. That's true. Really, it's true. Really like it's, some, it. it's something that's almost inco- incomparable, really. It's yeah. it's one of those kind of things that it's just so darn good. You can't really find a, com- a comparison to try to base it off of. So that's why it's so individual, and it's so highly recommended. Now, in a nutshell, uh, the writer Weeby has said that this book can best be described as, and I quote, a love letter to my years of Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy which is amazing right there because anyone who knows me personally knows that I'm a big Dungeons and Dragons person right here. Yeah. So of course this caters right to my needs, but he has also added that the story is a combination of, once again, I quote, Lord of the Rings meets Bridesmaids. Which is awesome and very accurate. Which is very accurate if you've read the story. Well, it's, it's really awesome because, yeah, you and I both like D&D, and, you know, when we play, I, I'm, I'm this stealthy douchebag hobbit, which is awesome. Exactly. And, you're, and you're, pretty much like a, you're pretty much a male version of Betty is what you are, dude. Yeah, and, and, I, and yeah, I, I definitely connect very, very much so with that character, but I do like the dwarf as well. I like the D, right? Oh, yes. Oh, man. Oh, but, yeah. Um, Oh yeah, no, it's a great book, and especially when I'm playing, I'm like, man, I really want to play D. Every time I read it or look at it, I'm like, I want to play D and D right now. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know, that's exactly how it is. But that's what I love about this book: the fact that he says it's kind of a combination of something that is high fantasy from the likes of Tolkien, mixing with something that is just so very, the epitome of humor, such as Bridesmaids, which you know, to be quite honest, is uh, the female version of that honeymoon yeah. uh, movie that that was out. So. You know that you know you're going to have something that is high fantasy, but it's not going to be something that would read like a Tolkien book that could possibly, you know, if you're not into that kind of stuff, just bore you or put you to sleep. It's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you laugh your butt off every single time you read it. It's yeah. going to it's going to hold your interest right there because of how funny it is. Yeah. It's not something that's going to be it doesn't take itself too seriously, I guess is what we can say. But that's what makes it a strong point. Now originally it was to be a self-published title that Weeby was to finance through Kickstarter until it was picked up by Jim Valentino under Image Comics and is now regularly published under Image's Shadowline imprint. Image has several uh, imprints under it, actually, that they produce comics for. For instance, they have, uh, they have uh, Top Cow, which is the company that Mark Silvestri runs that runs a lot of titles such as Witchblade. Shadowline is done for Rat Queens, and it definitely runs into more racier type topics, and anybody who has read Rat Queens already knows what I'm talking about. Yep. Now, the comic itself has reached numerous critical acclaim in the short time it has existed as a series thus far. It earned an Eisner nomination in 2014. As it, I think it deserves. Which it definitely deserves. And considering that it was out for probably less than a year before it got that nomination, that's a pretty impressive record. Yeah, many, many, very... many comics never even get to have such a pipe dream as even having a nomination for an Eisner. Which... Well, usually they have to finish a whole run. You usually have to finish a run or, or something arc. like that, or an arc, which I believe they were just in the process of finishing, I think, when this nomination came out. Yeah, that's that's definitely an amazing, an amazing accomplishment for Exactly. This. That's something you don't see every day, people. But it's also, but the Eisner was for Best New Series, which, you know, is well-deserved, obviously. I mean, they obviously didn't win, but it was good that even just having a nomination, it's just like an Academy Award, just to be able to be nominated is something that is a high honor. But the more important uh, award that it did eventually receive was a GLAAD Media Award in 2015 for That's its awesome. portrayal of lesbian, gay, bisexual characters. Because, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Betty, the the Hobbit, 
character, the halfling character, is uh, is um, is homosexual. That's awesome. So yeah, that's, oh yeah, she is. Yeah, sorry, she, I don't she, know. she's I'm a like, homosexual I, I knew character. That, I'm just, it's still awesome. Like that they got the horde. <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, you're not saying awesome like yeah, giggity type awesome. You're oh, just no, more no. meaning like yeah, that's cool. You know, you want to have a diverse, more diverse kind of audience to people that are trying to read this book, and not it so reaches much, out to more people. Not so much diverse. It's just like equal party. It's you know one thing like. Uh, it just gets kind of tiresome. It's like I I can always read a story or see a story of you know just four girls just you know sitting around you know talking about whatever. But in this one, it, it gives them they all have personalities. They all have an actual reason to be there. Exactly. And it it focuses more on like character development, which is yes. great. Like it yes. doesn't it doesn't matter what any of their sexuality is. No. But the fact is that every character is so distinct, and they focus so much on establishing like hey, this character is this character. And this is why, and you know, and but I mean, she's obviously a really, really great character. But like, we're like with the hipster dwarf. It's like you don't really see that very no. often. And you're like, okay, a hipster or an dwarf, or an el- or an elven mage that is kind of rockabilly. I mean, well, come on, you don't see something like exactly. that exactly. But like, the cool thing is about about the dwarf is that you know you see it and you're like, oh, that's funny. But then you actually read it and you're like, oh, she's like really, really serious and like you really care for exactly. the char- you care for all the characters. And you really just, do, and it's really great because one thing. The you know um, the, the Hobbit is written so well, yes. you know, and yes. I'm glad that she got recognition of any award at all, which is great. I mean, of course, like sexuality doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like everybody's equal. It's just, it's really really cool that it actually won an award for one thing, celebrating the, the diversity of you know yes. of yes. having an awesome ca- uh, character, uh, you know, a whole rogues gallery. Uh, or exactly. a whole gallery of uh, females, and you know, you actually being able to dis- distinct each one of them for something, and now that now they're getting recognition, and that's just awesome. It's exactly, awesome. especially in a day and age in which more and more lead villain and s- superhero types, or even characters in general in comics, are starting to come from different walks of creed, religion, uh, ethnicities, or anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean. We're starting to see more transgendered characters in, in comics nowadays, and which that was something that like, too. that like 10 or 15 years ago would have been totally unheard of. Absolutely. So this kind of stuff is really showing that you know the trend is changing toward a more multicultural type thing in comics, which is exactly what we need because you know the the re- the reading uh, cohort that is reading these comics, it's ever changing, so you yep. got to kind of you got to kind of adapt your audience to make sure that people are reading this. The and only thing the only thing that we ask for is for them to be very very well written, please. Just yes. like just like this story, this is what I want. If you're gonna introduce somebody, do it like this, like effective like this, please. Like, we don't exactly. want them to be like, oh, I'm. I was like, oh, I'm a lesbian just because, and you're like, okay, like what else about you? I'm a lesbian. <laughs> is, there, is there more? Uh, I'm a lesbian. Like, okay, well, uh, <laughs> like, but you or see, I'm this religion. Okay, why? But you see, uh, because the writer told me I was. But you see, the fact <laughs> is, that Betty, is that well, that's just a detail. What makes her more funny no. is that she loves to eat her candy. And she loves to. She loves to get high on drugs. Man. Well, it's not just that, but it's just like everything about her, like every single line of dialogue. And is she's like ador- so distinctful. She's so she's smart too, and, and she's, she's so adorable. If you've ever seen her depicted in artwork, she's she's just adorable, man. Yeah. She's short as the big. Has a big old pointy ears going on and the blonde hair and all that. You can't, You just want to scoop her up and give her a hug or something. Yeah. I want to be best friends with you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Of course, it'd probably be a psychedelic drug thing going on or something where you're wondering yeah. where you're wondering what's going on if you did. But, like, but yeah, like, that's what you would get. 
Exactly. <laughs> you're in the middle of a trip. You're like, okay, I regret this decision just for this one moment. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, sorry to go on a rant there. Yeah, no problem. But it's no great. Problem. But yeah, we've had a Glad Award that they've won, an Eisner nomination, but it also got a Hugo. It got a Hugo for Best Graphic Story in 2015 for its successful first story arc trade paperback, which was Rat Queen's Sass and Sorcery. That's awesome. That's the first uh, story arc, yep. which I believe is the first t- six issues, Sass and Sorcery. Now... Many attribute the success of this ongoing to the fact of its blending traditional high fantasy themes with modern day behaviorisms and rhetoric, but it's also with the appropriate sprinkling of humor where and when it is needed. This makes for a comic book, in my opinion, where it's not dry reading. I mean, yeah, people like Lord of the Rings, people like the Silmarillion, but let's be honest, people, those kind of books are very serious in its in its wording, in its descriptions. It's not for everybody. Rat Queens is something that you don't necessarily even have to be a fan of high fantasy, but you will love that particular genre, even just reading this right here, because it's not all serious. It's actually a whole lot of funny stuff sprinkled in there. The humor is just off the charts. It's image, and it's going to have salty language. It's going to have adult situations, too, from time to time. But it, it goes dramatic for a little bit. And, character, and like you have some development. Dr- and you have some drama going on too. It's not all totally a fun fest. So you know you have a little bit of everything going on here. But anyway, it's not just been something that is all grace pages. In June of 2014, it was announced that Weta Workshop's Pukeko Pictures was teaming up with Heavy Metal Magazine to create a half-hour animated adaptation of Rat Queens. The only thing is, we haven't really heard about anything from it since. I mean, I've, I was really digging into my research about this. We've not heard anything else Wasn't since Wasn't it like then. right after the first arc? It was like, I believe, after the first arc or the beginning of the second arc, I believe that they announced that. And that's, ins- I just, like, that's insane. <laughs> I just would like to hear more about it because this that's actually so cool. would be an awesome adaptation. It couldn't be something that you would put as a Saturday morning cartoon, obviously. Oh, no. I mean, it'd have to be an Adult Swim type thing or something if you're going to do that. Or I mean, HBO like Spawn. Or HBO like Spawn or something like that. But I'd be watch- I'd be watching that stuff up the yin-yang if they actually made this into an ad- a- adapted uh, uh, animated series. Yeah. It'd be if great. It's done well. Don't mess up the characters. Just don't mess with the characters. <laughs> Just make sure it's a good translation of it, and I'd be all well and fine with that. Like, well, it's the characters that really make this one. Like, yeah. You know, the story- this is a very character-driven type narrative. Yeah. It's, it's not. I mean, the story's not bad, but it's just. Yeah. Like, uh, I just. I, I love his characters. I. I, I love it. So. Oh yeah. There's something to love everything here, you go people. Winning. All right. Now we will go into our next section of Who Dat, and we are looking at the artist this week, Stepan Shejic. And the reason why his name is pronounced bless like you, that... Bless you, by the way. The what? Bless you, by the way. Oh, bless you. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, he's called that because he is a Croatian comic book artist and illustrator known for his work, especially among several Top Cow titles, including Witchblade. He's worked oh. on Aphrodite 9. He's worked on Sunstone, Ravine, Ooh, several Ravine. others. Now, he started out life with the initial hopes of becoming a lawyer, but eventually turned to art as his career of choice. And what makes it more amazing is he made this he made this choice later in his life. Many well, I think are, we all know that lawyer and comic book writer are almost one and the same. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, maybe they try to think of stuff out of nowhere. They maybe. go hand in hand. <laughs> they go hand in hand, I guess. Yeah, why not? Why a, lot not? Of, a lot of degree. A lot of degree. A lot of degree, and, and then eventually going to art. You know, hey, you know. Yeah. Personally, I think he made a much better choice because if anybody has seen his art, you know what I'd be talking about. His We're all for expressing yourself. Exactly. All for expressing ourselves. And 
In the realm of comics, he began as a colorist, and he colored many of Tyler Kirkham's penciled and inked pieces, so that's where he really got his experience going. Now, his inspirations include Italian-based comics, of which they're, of, uh, in general, there's no real one comic that was really an inspiration, but more just Italian comics in general, and I can see how that would be something that would really influence him, because they are very detail-oriented when it comes to their artwork. It's very vivid. So I can see where he got that inspiration from. See, I'm not in, I'm not too familiar with uh, the Italian comic. Oh, uh, so I'm probably oh, gonna be doing some of the best artwork you can this. some of the best artwork you can find are in Italian comics, my friend. Huh? Especially when it comes to layers and shading, the way that they do it. Oh, it's phenomenal. Now, he's also listed Top Cow's Witchblade as a major inspiration, of which you know he has done artwork for it in the past and continues to. And he's also listed artists such as Mark Silvestri and Michael Turner as major influences on his artistic style as well. And, well, you don't really need to even explain why. I mean, Mark Silvestri is Mark Silvestri, guys. <laughs> he's, he's our god of the show. He's our god of the show, pretty much. Yeah. And Michael Turner, you know, rest in peace for always. He's just one of the most amazing artists of all time as well. Now, eventually he came to Top Cow in 2007, and Shayich signed up to be the penciler for Witchblade for issues 116 through 50, which wow. at that time was the longest run a penciler apparently had had in the history of the book since its inception. That is very, very long, that's, especially that's for indie comics. That's, that's 34 issues, people. I mean, that's something that nowadays, you know, you're lucky if someone is on, on a run for something for like maybe 20 issues, if you're lucky at that. Sometimes it's only 15. You know, so people get changed up in runs on comics all the time, people. But 34 is something that is yeah. definitely, definitely considerable. Yep. Now, career wise, Shayich has devoted his interior pencil artwork to independent comics circuit, mostly with Top Cow imprint titles for image stuff like Witchblade, Firstborn, and others. But he's also done it for Shadowline because he did uh, Rat Queens. He did some of the he did some of the interior artwork for Rat Queens for I believe issues nine and ten. But he also did numerous other publications such as uh, ones for Radical, which includes Aladdin: Legacy of the Lost, and he also worked for Arcana doing uh, Cade's Son of Perdition. That sounds really familiar. Cade's Son of Perdition. It does ring from I may have read it back in the day, and I just forgot about it now because you know when you're someone like me, which you read so many darn it independent <laughs> comics, it's hard to keep track of everything that you have read. I like how you read something that's like kind of like you know recently, and you're just like, man, that like that was either like years ago or like two weeks ago. I can't remember when exactly, I read it. I can't exactly. <laughs> everything is so darn good, it's hard to keep track of everything. That, yeah, I, yeah, I understand that definitely. Exactly. <laughs> Now, his cover artwork is more numerous and prolific, however. He's made contributions to not only those publications that we just listed, but he's also done work for Dynamite, Marvel, as well as Zenoscope. His Zenoscope titles that he does uh, cover art for are especially beautiful. Zenoscope is really known for its vivid, colorful, and very detailed uh, covers. And he's done many of them for them. They're really good covers. Yeah, they're just amazing. Now, artistically, Shigich combines traditional art with digital means, as shown in many of his works with alterations done by such programs as Photoshop and ZBrush. Now, in my opinion, it makes for a quite sophisticated style of art that makes comic reading all that more appealing. I mean, this is real sophisticated-looking art, people. This is not something that you would have found in your typical comic maybe 20, 30 years ago, in which, you know, you just had your your typical blend of layers and colors and all that kind of stuff. These are very highly detailed. And the fact that there's a lot of digital put into this shows that he really knows his stuff. 
But he also has many self-creations to his name as well. He has included some of his uh, works that he has actually created and done. He's worked on the title Sunstone, which I highly recommend reading people. He has done Ravine, which is another one of his creations. And he's also done Death Vigil. All Top Cow-related uh, topics and titles that you are available at your local comic book shop. I definitely know Ravine. That's cool. And specifically for Rat Queens, he provided the interior artwork for issues 9 and 10, as well as doing the cover art for issues 10 through 12, thus far after the previous artist, Rock Upchurch, stepped down from the title for reasons that unfortunately are kind of on the controversial side. Now, his career is ever-rising in comics, and he will continue to be a great asset to Top Cow with his artwork, in my opinion. And he's also married to fellow comic book artist, illustrator Linda Luxix Shayich, and they often collaborate on projects together. That's I awesome. I believe they work on Sunstone together, if I'm not mistaken. Huh. Which is another, which is one of his self creations that, once again, I highly recommend. I'll and that's pretty much all we have for uh, Stefan Shayich this time. Before we go, I just saw I was I was looking on my phone some of his artwork, and he has this amazing, amazing He Man and Masters of the Universe. Oh um, yeah, oh art. yeah. And I would highly suggest that you go on. Google and look at this stuff. Oh yeah, just I, punch up his name, Stepan Shejic. This might be a very bold statement, but I'm you know looking at all this art, I may like him more than Alex Ross. That might be very seriously. You think even even he beats Alex Ross? Huh? I mean, Alex Ross is realism, but man, this stuff is just gorgeous. Look up his sun. Look up his Sunstone stuff, dude. You'll really like his Sunstone. He's I'm, a Joker I'm, I'm not Har- kidding. He's a Joker and Harley one, which is um, which is just amazing too. Oh, one of his oh, one of his funnier pieces that he did one time, dude. It was uh, it was a compilation of uh, of uh, the vampires, the the vampire thing, uh, the book. What was it? The the beautiful vampires with what's her name? I have no idea. Uh, you know <laughs> that silly vampire story. I'm trying to. I obviously I don't remember it, but uh, Edward. Edward and Bella from that oh, vampire Twilight. Story. Twilight, Twilight, that's it. He was doing a comparison of the love story between them, and and they have Bella and Edward to the right, looking all nervous, like, oh my god, we just broke the bed because they, you know, oh, they, yeah. they just had their first time together, and because they're vampires, they ha- now she's a vampire just like he is. They all have super strength, and apparently they broke the bed after that. <laughs> well, he has a sequential art after that of Wonder Woman and Superman in the next panel, and Wonder Woman's looking over at them, going like, "You two are so adorable," and quite <laughs> literally, uh, Mount Fuji—it's uh, either Mount Fuji or the Himalayas or something—are suddenly laid to rubble, and and helicopters overhead are, are running like, oh my God, it's like, this is the greatest catastrophe in the history of mankind or something. And Superman is right next to her saying, Wonder Woman, we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> Meaning, yeah, they, um, yeah, they had their fun too. But you know, whereas those two just leveled a, <laughs> a bed, they just leveled a whole mountain range. That's funny. That's which is, awesome. which is pretty hilarious actually. But yeah, that's what you get when you get with, uh, when you get with Shijish. He is just awesome. He is. He's, he's great. He's, he's just, he's just amazing. And we'll be looking at him more in detail come next episode in which we are going to be looking at a more round robin discussion of Rat Queens number one as well as getting some information from Shayich himself in some interviews that I plan to be conducting with him in due time. Cool. Perfect. Exactly. Now, thanks for tuning in. You can check out our other shows and offerings on iTunes and Podbean.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Send any comments, questions, or requests to grandgeekgathering at gmail.com. To stay updated on our network, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch TV. 
So come on and join the gathering. This show has been brought to you by the Grand Geek Gathering Network. Have an eerie week and GGG! By the way, it's now Halloween month and we're going to be celebrating throughout the whole network. Woo! Rock queens. <laughs>